before you this morning. Thanks to uh, Pastors Joel and Jim and the uh, Elder Board for the chance to uh, notes to come before you and speak. I appreciate that. The last time I was here, I talked about uh, Brewster's ice cream and my uh, my affection for it. And after the service, I was kindly presented with a coupon for Brewster's. And it just made me feel welcome and to let folks and to let me know that folks were actually listening to what I said. And I was trying to think, now what commercial eatery can I possibly plug in today's sermon that might get me a coupon, but I couldn't think of anything. So maybe next time. Will you join me in prayer? Loving Father, as we come together, we open your word this morning, open our hearts, open our minds, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today from your scripture and be with Pastor Joel this morning as he preaches uh, the word. Uh, give him an anointing of your power and strength also. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> our scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 13. From what I understand, you've been working through the uh, parables of Jesus. And uh, so I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read verses uh, 44 through 52. Now, all of Matthew chapter 13 has to do, there's, there's a, a number of parables there, and the parables talk about the kingdom of heaven. And so as we talk this morning, I, I want you to kind of open up your minds, open up your minds to the idea of the kingdom of heaven and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what these parables are going to talk about. Our scripture today contains three parables. So we're going to start with verse 44. I'm reading from the uh, NIV version. <clears throat> Matthew 13 with verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Okay, so once again, you note here, first parable, the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is going on again. So he wants you to know he's making another analogy for the kingdom of heaven, another parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Verse 47, once again. So now Jesus is kind of building. <clears throat> I told you a parable. I gave you a second idea. Now I'm going to tell you one more time so you get this. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. There, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out into his storehouse new treasures as well as old. <clears throat> so we have here Jesus' description of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is both a present reality and a future hope. The kingdom of heaven started when Jesus came to this world. Um, in Matthew, earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist proclaims the way of the Lord. And uh, 
He says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight his path. Uh, John the Baptist says that Jesus is coming and the kingdom of heaven is near. In verse 2 there he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So John the Baptist knew that Jesus was coming and the kingdom of heaven was about to come. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus himself said of himself, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then again in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, <clears throat> Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> so the kingdom of heaven, what is it? It is where the rule of God is done. That's why in the Lord's Prayer we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where God's will is done. We know that that will be done in heaven. But with the coming of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, it is also done here on earth. And that's the exciting possibility that Jesus is now telling his disciples it is a reality. <clears throat> it's available and it is coming and it's here. Now the question is, do we live like that? Do we live like the people in these parables? And we want to talk a little bit about these parables and what they're telling us and how they <clears throat> instruct us. Because sometimes we are not like the people in the parable. You realize there was a treasure hidden in a field. A man found it. Now this is an analogy people would have understood long ago. Back in Jesus' day, there weren't banks. There were bankers, there were tax collectors, and the bankers basically lent the money they had to other people. But you couldn't go and put your money in a bank. If you wanted to keep your money, you hid it somewhere. And hiding money in a field was not uncommon. And so every now and then, someone would dig up and find the money that was hidden in a field. Okay? And some people looked for this. Kind of like our equivalent of playing the lottery. You know, you kind of hope it's there. People were kind of hoping they'd find a treasure in the field. And then should they go to the owner of the field and do the right thing or just keep it for themselves? The people would have understood this analogy. <clears throat> they understood about a merchant looking for a fine pearl. Pearls have always been expensive. Before uh, our, our present time when they can be cultured and uh, when, you know, you can send ships down, when people had to dive down deep distances and... and and retrieve them, they were very, very rare and very expensive. And Jesus says, searching for the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. And finally, he gives the, the parable, the analogy of casting a large net out in the lake. Good fish come in, bad fish, seaweed come in, things you can eat, you know, delicious bass, and also uh, things that are not so good like a starfish that you wouldn't want to have for dinner. It's all a part of it. And so Jesus is giving us these three stories of searching for the kingdom of God. And sometimes we don't do that. Now, in addition to my work as a pastor, I, I have an, another job. I work for a Christian counseling agency, and I do counseling. And I do a lot of marriage and family counseling. A few weeks ago, a couple came to me. And uh, I asked them, well, tell me a little bit about your situation. And... Uh, they said, we fight all the time, we argue about big things, we argue about little things, we can't be in the same room without screaming at each other. 
he said, she doesn't trust me. She said, he's an idiot. Um, that tells you something right there. Uh, they said, um, we, we just don't love each other anymore. And the husband says, I don't even think I like her anymore. I said, well, what, what holds you together? And there was a long pause. I said, come on now, give me something to work with here. What is holding you together in this marriage? And reluctantly, the husband said, well, we're, we're Christians, so we, we really don't believe in divorce. I said, okay, anything else? And the wife said, well, he really is a good dad. If, if we split and we couldn't be together, the, the kids would miss him. And she said, oh, she is a wonderful mom. I have no complaints about her as a mom. And I thought, just leave it there. And then he said, but she's such a jerk when she's around me. Stop, stop, stop all your head, buddy. So I looked them in the eye and I said to them, okay, so basically you've told me you can't stand each other, you fight over everything, you argue all the time, you don't like each other, and the only thing holding you together is the fact that you don't believe in divorce and you think you both are pretty good parents, right? They said, yeah. I said, fantastic. Okay? And they looked at me like, and our insurance company is paying you for this? I said, no, no. I said, that's really good. I said, you're missing the big picture here. I said, it's not just you don't believe in divorce. And I looked at the husband and I said, you know, 15 years ago, when you said I do, you really believed those vows you made. You believed that you would honor and love and cherish. You believed you would be through thick and thin, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. And I looked at the wife and I said, you know, when you made that promise 15 years ago to that minister, you made it to God and you believed that promise you were making. You made it with your heart. I can tell it in, in what you're saying now. And they both started to cry. And I said, you really do have a lot to work with here. You just haven't seen it. You haven't worked with it. It's been four weeks. <clears throat> They're not out of the woods yet. They're still having some problems and some conflict. But now they see some hope. They see some hope for their relationship. As we talk about the kingdom of heaven, it's like a pearl <clears throat> of great price. It's like a treasure hidden in the field. That sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds wonderful. The problem is that sometimes our life is so hard, sometimes our life is so discouraging, sometimes we feel so beat down by everything we experience in this life that we no longer feel like there's a treasure out there. Or we no longer feel like there's a pearl waiting for us. Or a net where we can gather things together for God. We feel broken down. We feel hurt, we feel depressed, we feel like we can't go on. <clears throat> I was talking to a mom the other day, and she was saying, my life is so stressful. I, I have a job, and, and they keep calling me in. I, I have to do extra hours, I have to put in extra time. Uh, they're, they're paring down at work, there's less people, I'm doing more. I have to keep apologizing to my daughter why I'm gone. Uh, I'm, I'm not there for my husband. When I'm at work, I feel like all I'm thinking about is at home. When I'm at home, I can't even be with my family during those times because I'm so preoccupied about all the details I need to take care of 
at work. She says, I, I just don't know what to do. I feel so pulled in so many directions. I just don't know that I can keep going on. She says, I, I, I don't have any hope. She said, I, and I feel guilty because my life should be good. I have a wonderful family. You know, I'm involved in the church. I'm trying to serve in the church. And I have a job that some people would be so glad to have. It's a, it's a good job, a, a professional job. It pays me well, but I'm just struggling. She's not alone. In our world today, we're often struggling just like this mom. We're struggling, and part of what we, is happening to us is we're not living in the kingdom of heaven. We're living in our earthly, worldly kingdom. And that's radically different than how God wants us to live and what God has in mind for us. <clears throat> we see things from a human perspective. And we see things and we see all the problems and we see the difficulties and we see the things that beat us down and we see the times we're just so tired and so exhausted and we feel like giving up. And that's all we can see. In this parable, in these three parables, we see that each of the people was very different. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Why is this kingdom of heaven a treasure hidden? Because we are living in this present world. We are living in this present age. We are living in a world where there are problems, where Satan wants to defeat us, where he wants to discourage us. What better way for Satan to attack God's church than individually take those members and get them discouraged, get them down, get them feeling like it doesn't make a difference what I do or what I say. There's just no purpose in what I'm doing. It's not making a difference. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden. And sometimes we feel like that in our life. We say, God, I know you. I believe your word. I trust your word. I believe that one day we will be with you in glory and your will will be done because it is done in heaven. But Father, I just don't see how it's being done here on earth. I look around at everything happening in my community. I look at the political scene. I look at the problems I have with my job. I look at the, the, the cancer and the illnesses and all the problems plaguing my family. And I say, Lord, this is not your kingdom. This is not what you meant. And what happens? We're looking at this world. We're looking at the things this world does instead of looking for that hidden treasure, instead of looking for that prize that awaits us in Christ Jesus. And we get tired. <clears throat> we get discouraged, and we want to give up. <clears throat> One of my favorite scriptures is Galatians 6.9. Galatians 6.9. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't get weary from doing good, because at just the right time, God will give you a harvest of blessings. Galatians 6, 9. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't give up. Don't stop searching for that pearl of great price. Don't stop searching for that hidden treasure. It is here. God is working in his world with power and with authority, and he is trampling down the strongholds of Satan. But if you look with, with the eyes 
of this world, if you look at physical eyes, if you just look in a very rational, logical way at the world, you're not going to see those things, and you're going to be discouraged, you're going to be crushed, <clears throat> and you're going to want to give up. And Satan likes that nothing better than when, as God's people, we just feel like giving up. <clears throat> Sometimes we give up because it is hard, and because we're discouraged, and because we're depressed. Sometimes we stop searching, working for the kingdom of God, and I'm going to equate searching for the kingdom of God with working for the kingdom of God. Because we can't work for the kingdom of God. We can't work for his good and perfect will in our lives and in our church and in our community if we don't seek what it is. So we have to seek the kingdom of God, and we have to do it. The kingdom of God is such a, a, a pervasive topic in the scripture, and yet sometimes we kind of <clears throat> confide it to this, these couple par parables. Um, when Jesus talks about the, the kingdom of heaven, there's 54 times in the Gospels that they use the term the kingdom of God. 54 times in all four Gospels, although Matthew uses it most heavily, and the term the kingdom of heaven, and this is my counting, so if I count it, forgive, wrong, forgive me. Um, 33 on the kingdom of heaven, and they're all in Matthew. Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. This is a powerful concept in scripture, and yet we don't live that way. We're not living in the kingdom of God and searching for those pearls of great Christ. Sometimes we become discouraged. We hurt, it's painful, and we just don't see the purpose of going on. Sometimes we become complacent. That was the sin of the church of Laodicea, wasn't it? In Revelations chapter 3, uh, verses 16, 15 and 16, the Spirit speaks to the churches and said, even though you think you are rich and even though you think you have things, you've become lukewarm. And the Spirit said, I would rather you were hot or cold. This lukewarm stuff causes you to do nothing. It causes complacency. It causes uh, sitting back and just resting. He said, I'd rather you're hot or cold because I want to spew you out of my mouth. I want to spit you out because of this complacency. <clears throat> and how often as Christians do we become complacent? Do we say, well, I am following Jesus. I know I could do more. You know, I read my Bible, I, I pray, I go to church, I'm, I'm doing what I can for the kingdom, and, you know, God and I, you know, we're tight, you know, we're bros, you know, we're, we're, we're in a good relationship. And we don't seek to really fellowship with God. We don't seek to become one with his Holy Spirit. We don't seek for where are those, those hidden pearls. Where is that, that treasure hidden? buried in the field that we need to see so that the kingdom of God and his will as it is done in heaven can happen here on earth. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we went out to see the Flight 93 Memorial in Shanksville. Okay? If, if you've never gone, I really encourage you to go. Very moving. There's a, a museum there outside of Somerset, and, and, and you see all the stories and everything you've heard, and then you go out on the, the actual crash site, and it, it's very undisturbed, very contemplative for you to just sit and, and pray and, and think about 
what happened on that day. And the, the favorite thing of my wife and I, uh, and there were so many things, and, and we're going through, and, and, and we have tears in our eyes, and we're a little embarrassed, and then we look around, and everybody else has tears in their eyes too, so then we don't feel so bad. <laughs> but our favorite thing is they had actual answering machine recordings that they played of some of the answering machine calls that, <clears throat> that family members got when their loved ones were calling from the plane realizing that something was wrong. Okay? And they had a bunch of these we listened to. And as my wife and I listened to them, we listened to the one and both of us said, that's you, Carol. If you are ever in this situation, that is exactly the phone call you were making. <clears throat> and the phone call was this. The woman's calling on the answering machine. You're saying, hello, hello, like, John, pick up, pick up, are you there? Okay, and you realize, she realizes she's not getting anybody alive. So she said, okay, John, I love you very much. Now, I have two life insurance policies. The $20,000 one is with Prudential. The $90,000 one is with uh, First Mutual. They're hidden in the safe. The safe is in the bottom of the hall closet, hidden way in the back. And here's the combination, G421. Okay, remember that, G421, you know. And she, and she goes through all the things, you know. That's Carol. That's my wife. If anything happens to her, she's like going to be in mode of let me tell you what to do because I know if I'm gone, you can't take care of yourself, buddy. <laughs> That's obvious to everybody who knows us. Okay, I went. The other call, we said, that's me calling. It's me calling. If I'm ever in that situation on the plane and it's hijacked, here is the call I make. It was great. <clears throat> it's like, baby, baby, are you there? Baby, pick up, pick up. Realizing that it's just going to be the machine. Okay, honey, I love you so much. Make sure you tell the kids how much I love them. I I'm just calling to say I love you and care about you. You may have heard there's a little problem in the air. We've been kind of hijacked. Um, but don't worry, I'm fine, you know, I I'm doing okay, and, uh, you know, not, not any problems, and, you know, when we get this straightened out, you know, I'll call again, but I, I just wanted you all to know I loved you, you know, but once again, you know, we're, we're fine up here, everything's fine, we're, we're not under any, you know, nobody's being mean to us. <laughs> the place being hijacked, okay? I thought, that's me. Okay, kind of like the, the eternal optimist that everything's fine, don't worry, things are good. And, <clears throat> and the calls were really moving for those reasons. And I thought, you know, so much of our personality also affects how we do or don't seek the kingdom of God. <clears throat> the problem is the pessimist, the problem with the practical purpose person is they're going to see all the obstacles, all the roadblocks, and just give up. What's the point? There's no use. The problem with the person who's very content, happy in life is, well, things are good enough as they are right now. I don't really need to go any deeper. My life is okay. Neither of those are enough. <clears throat> Did you note? It says in verse 46, when he found one of these pearls of great value, when he found one of these pearls of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. He sold everything that he had to buy this pearl of great price. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is not just something good. It's not just something nice. It's where Jesus reigns. 
It is where God's will is done. And it is that, that value, that treasure of great price that we need to give up everything else in this world to work for. Sometimes we get discouraged. Jesus says uh, in John 14, 16 that you're in the world, but not of it. We have to live in this world. We have to be a witness for people in this world, but we're not of this world. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Our sins are forgiven. And so when you or I are going to seek this pearl of great price, to seek this treasure, you think you're going on your own strength. You see all your failings. You see all your problems. You see the sins you do. You see the times you don't live up to your call as being a Christian. Just like that couple I worked with, they saw all their problems. They saw all the ways they let themselves down. What I saw is a couple who believed in their marriage vows, who had said that before God that that's how they wanted to treat each other, and I believe that they could do that once again. You look at yourself, you see your sin, your pain, your problems, your discouragement, you see the things you've tried and failed. God doesn't see any of that. When he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees that you have been redeemed by the Lamb, and you are his precious child, washed clean, and he wants you to enjoy all the benefits of that kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom even here on earth. One day we'll get to enjoy that in glory. And you know how wonderful it is with the praise team. And I, I, I deeply appreciate uh, the worship this morning and the praise team and, and just lifting our praises to God. That's just a foreshadowing. That, that's just a little uh, teaser, you know? That's like the, um, the, 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 the trailer in the movie to get you to want to watch the movie, okay? That's why we do this in church, okay? To get you to watch the movie, to get you to want to live faithfully for God, to pursue the kingdom of God, to look for the kingdom of heaven, so that one day, when we stand before God, we will know that we served him here on earth. God's the one who sorts it out. The last parable is the parable of the nets. The fish are taken in. We plant our seeds. We do what we can. Some of them will come to fruition. Some of them won't. I, I heard the, uh, the chairman of Pixar say, uh, uh, I heard he was quoted as saying that they relish failure in their company. Because if you're not failing, you're not trying anything. You're not trying to do something new. We don't have to worry, well, what if we do something that doesn't work out for the kingdom of God? Maybe I better not do anything. You know, that's just like the man that took the talents and buried them in the ground. Okay? Spoiler alert, not the one that gets the high praise. Okay? We need to be working for Jesus. We need to be doing these things because we know that even if we don't succeed, even if we don't always accomplish what we'd like to for him, he sorts it out in the end. And the, the things we tried that, that weren't, God can still use. God can still use our efforts and our attempts. <clears throat> so, my call to you today is, is to be like the people in these parables, to cast that net, to cast it wide, 
for the kingdom of God, to do everything you can, to be looking for that treasure that's buried. It might not be obvious. You may not see a treasure in some people. You may see them as flawed and dirty and sin and people you don't like who, or who are different than you. But Jesus sees a soul that he wants to bring to him. And you need to be looking for that pearl of great price, those things in this world that will give you God's joy and peace and allow you to move forward for him and his kingdom.